saints of God. Amen. When we get all our fires together, amen, we just shine brighter. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just enter right in. I'd like to sing the song, Every Praise is to Our God. Oh, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one of God. Every praise, every praise, oh, is to our God. Come on now. Hallelujah to our God. Glory, hallelujah to our God. Every praise, every praise, oh, it's to our God. And God, my Savior. 
favorite song, The Days of Elijah. Come on, let's sing it together. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the road. Let's get the right key here. These are the days of Elijah. There we go. Oh, declaring the word of the Lord. That's right. These are the days of your servant, of Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sore, still we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, oh, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. 
These are the days of Ezekiel. Oh, the dry bones be coming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of parade. Oh, and these are the days of the harvest. Oh, the fields are as wide in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word. Of the Lord. Come on, declare it now. Holy comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. Lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation. Listen now, here we go. And there's no God like Jehovah. Come on. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 And behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Oh, at the trumpet's call, I your voice, it's a hero to believe, and out of science here salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 There's no God like Jehovah, oh behold He comes, oh and riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet's call, lift your voice, it's the era to believe, and out of science here, salvation comes, behold He comes. Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet's call, lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's salvation comes. Amen, amen. Oh, hallelujah, I tell you, that makes me happy. Hallelujah, what a glorious day it'll be to see Him returning on those clouds. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's sing one more before we change the service. The power of your love. Amen. Let's sing about his power. Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed and renewed. Hope flowing from the grace that I found in
by the power of your love. Oh, be close and let your love surround me. Oh, breathe, be me, draw me. And as I wait, I'll rise up like the eagle, and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love. of your love as you in this building today. Amen. Amen. We're just going to take our special needs at this time. Amen. I believe you touched the heart of the King. Amen. He's a priest. Amen. Of your infirmities. So we're going to take these needs to the Lord. Amen. I know He cares about each and every one. Hallelujah. I have a request here for Sister Greg. Musicians can play something softly. Amen. I have a prayer request also for Sister Becky. She's not here with us today. Uh, we want to remember Brother Ron Spencer in prayer. May God would touch
touch his body. Amen. Remember Sister Cindy Walter, she's also not with us today. Steve and Sarah as well. Request for them, they're not with us. Amen. I see a request here for Brother Keith. I think he's traveling. Amen. With his work, so let's keep him in prayer. Dangerous highways in his line of work, trucking. Amen. Want God to travel with him and keep him safe. Amen. If you'd remember Sister Amber McCall in your prayers, amen, she's still in recovery. Amen. That's all the need to have at this time. I also have a, a card here from Sister Shirley Lingle that I'll read for you. Amen. It says, I want to thank you for inquiring and praying for my mother during her hospital stay and rehabilitation over the past three months a great recovery she is independently back home she will have a couple of weeks more of physical therapy thank you all that's from Sister Shirley Amen. So God bless you Sister Shirley and <clears throat> just pray that uh, Sister there continues in recovery Amen I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy Clayville if he'd step forward at this time and take our special needs before the Lord. Amen. Do you have unspoken prayer requests? Amen. God knows the need you have on your heart. We'll be praying for you with that. Amen. Come down, Brother Jeremy. Let us pray. Our kind Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful, Lord, for this time to gather in your house, Lord, to gather with our brothers and sisters, Lord, to just set aside a time to give you thanks, Lord, and praise. Father, I pray that you would come now and just walk among each pew, Lord, and touch the hearts of your people, Lord, so we set aside the, the troubles of life, Lord so thankful that, Lord, even in times of distress, Lord, we have a, a refuge in you, Lord. I thank you for that. Lord, we are needy people. And Father, I just ask that you would be mindful of each need that was spoken here, Lord, and the hands that were raised. Lord, for those that are sick and ill or needing care, Lord, for those that are giving in care, Lord, for those that have needs, I ask that you would strengthen them both, Lord. Father, we commit these needs, Father, just trusting that your will be done. Lord, I just ask a special blessing for my sister Carol Henley. Lord, that you would give her strength. Lord, that you would give her encouragement, Lord. Father, we, we love you and just ask that you be lifted up in this time, Lord, that we give to you. Use your minister this morning, Lord, to speak to us. Father, we come with open hearts, ready to receive. We give this time wholly to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats. Amen. We have several uh, special song requests today, for which we're very grateful. Amen. So I'm going to dedicate this last portion of the service to those in the uh, being mindful of the time, amen. So we're going to ask the Jackson fam 
family if they would be making their way to the front. Uh, also, we have uh, uh, Brother Ben Benefield, uh, who's with us, and uh, he also has a special. And uh, if he would be making his way after the Jacksons finish up their special. And likewise, uh, Sister Emma, Lily, and Brother Mitchell have a special for us. So if you would also likewise, when the uh, singer before you finishes song, if you would please make your way to the side over there, that would uh, help us in the sake of time. Amen. We certainly appreciate our special singers. Amen. And as they're getting ready, I think they have some instruments to set up there. Brother Matt will just sing a little song as they're <clears throat> preparing. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, and I live for you, Lord, every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way, this is my desire. My desire to honor you, and Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. And Streets of gold, where I belong. 
sing with us, and we're just thankful to have them, appreciate them traveling all the way up from, uh, I think it's Florida, amen, amen, from uh, near my hometown, I think so, St. Augustine, amen, (laughs) kind of, sort of, it's good to have you, brother, God bless you. Because he lives 
force so they'll be making their way
Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know the one that can speak peace in my life. Amen. Are you? Hallelujah. 
And let's stand together as our pastor makes his way forward. I'd like to sing that song. In Christ alone I place my trust. Amen. In Christ alone will I glory Though I could pride myself in battles won For I've been blessed beyond measure And by His strength alone I overcome Oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand But those trophies could not equal To the grace by which I stand In Christ alone I place my trust And find my glory in the power of the in every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. Christ alone do I glory, for by His grace. I am redeemed, for only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my need. And now I seek no greater honor than just to know Him my gains but losses for the glory of my Lord. In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the Kind of attention, if you like, and um, we just 
certainly miss her today. I want to remember uh, Brother Tim Pruitt and his church. They're shut down, shut down for several weeks due to the virus. Uh, Brother William Butts has the the virus, whom we know, and uh, several others there. So we're just praying that the Lord will undertake for them. Um, Also want to remember Sister Carol Henley, and uh, most of you know from the, uh, if you were able to read the email last night, uh, Sister Carol suffered a stroke, a major stroke yesterday. Uh, early in the morning at some particular uh, time, she has a call button and contacted the nurse uh, in her facility there where she lives, and then they got her to the hospital. Uh, they evaluated her correctly, realized that she had a stroke, and they began working, but they really don't know when uh, she had it. Uh, she is paralyzed on her right side. She has very, very limited movement uh, there, uh, half of her face and so forth. Uh, she is uh, undergoing treatment. She still has uh, a blood clot that's in her heart, and they, they can't go in and, and touch that. So uh, they, they can deal with it through medications like blood thinners, uh, and they can also um, just pray that it you know, dissolves and so forth so it doesn't move anywhere. Uh, that's that's the, the problem area, and that's what they're concerned about, that if that breaks up, then it could cause another stroke on top of the stroke that she's had. Uh, she's going to be in that hospital for a little while, uh, barring any other circumstance, any other miracle. And so uh, Sister April Grant has been on the spot. She's uh, come over from Atlanta, going back and forth. She's on call today at, at uh, her hospital, and uh, she's been... Uh, filling me in on the details and keeping me posted on what's been happening with Sister Carol. Um, Her situation is serious. Uh, She certainly really needs a touch from the Lord and uh, needs uh, our prayers for sure. Lord willing, uh, tomorrow they've given me as her pastor an opportunity to go and to be able to see her. And uh, she does, uh, as far as we know, she acknowledges people who are in the room. Uh, to a certain extent, and so uh, we felt it would be comforting for her if I went down and uh, was able to pray with her and speak with her and so forth. I've known Sister Carol since 1986, I think it is. Uh, So we've been friends for a long time, and she's just been a special person in our lives and uh, certainly a special person uh, to us, very, very faithful and uh, supportive and very much feels a part of the body, even though she's not always here. But uh, she's in a time of need where her family... Uh, she has her son and her daughters arriving today from uh, up near Vermont, and uh, she'll be with her today. And uh, we, as a, as a body today, we want to lift her up before the Lord in prayer and just trust that the Lord will uh, undertake for her because we believe that God's able. We're thankful for the doctors and nurses and for the technology that allows them to know exactly what's happened and to know in their view the very best thing that they can do medically speaking. Uh, on behalf of someone like Sister Carol. I asked Sister uh, April uh, last night, I said, if, if, you know, if you were dealing with Sister Carol and she wasn't as close to you as what she is, what would your gut feeling be as a doctor? Would you proceed and would you go ahead with treatments and so forth or would you stand back and say, you know, there's nothing more we can do? She said, my gut, my heart tells me to go forward. And she says, do all we can for Sister Carol. To me, that was very encouraging. And so I I say this, that uh, we're thankful for all that the doctors can do and all that they have done. Uh, But we serve a divine physician. 
who has our time appointed on this earth. And so I think we should go to him this morning and we should uh, seek him to uh, reach down and touch Sister Carol and give her that, that touch that she really needs today. And um, we believe that God's able to do that. We have people in here who have serious needs and we have people who are listening who have serious needs. And uh, we just want to commit each one of them into God's hands. You say, well, Brother Barry, it doesn't happen today. I'd like to take exception to that. And I'd like to say that Sister Shirley Lingle's mother, to me, is a walking miracle. Because they pretty much gave her up. And I remember the prognosis and the situation with her mother. And she's how old? 92? 89. Close enough. 89 years old. And we had some really significant fears about Sister Shirley's mother. I mean, back in May, May and April, somewhere in there, and right in the height of things, and in the hospital by herself, and, uh, you know, just facing the prognosis that she is. And now she's home in her own apartment, living by herself. She is nothing but a miracle. So you can't say that God doesn't do it. God, God, God does things like that. And we are thankful for that, Sister Shirley. And she brought her request to us. We prayed. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, that God's able to do it one more time. And so just once more, we should approach him this morning. Let's sing that little chorus again. I just I love that song so much. Let's sing the first verse uh, again and uh, the chorus. Then we'll pray. In Christ alone will I glory. Myself in battles won, blessed beyond measure by his strength alone I'll overcome. Oh, I could count like diamonds in my hand. By which I stand in Christ alone, place my trust, find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of Sing it again now. Just worship Him this morning, saints. In Christ alone, I place my trust. Find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with great confidence and great trust in your ability, Lord, to move on the scene in impossible situations. 
You are a God who cares. You're a God who knows always the end from the beginning. And you always know what's best. In Christ, we have confidence. In Christ, we stand. In Christ, we move forward. And in Christ, Lord, we have every assurance that you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're still a healer today, Lord. You're still a deliverer. You're one, Lord, who stirs and touches the hearts of those that believe and care. Father God, today we pray, Lord, for the many who are sick and the many who need your touch. We thank your brother Tim Pruitt's church and those who are in it, Lord, who need your help today. We thank of Sister Becky, Lord, and we think of the many others that are represented here today that really need a touch and, Lord, need encouragement and strength. Those that give care, those that provide care in hospital settings, Lord. And, Father God, today we bind our faith together, Lord, and reach out to you on behalf of Sister Carol Henley. And, Lord, for her who has served you so many years and trusted you, Lord, in the face of so many circumstances, we're asking, oh God, that you would just come on the scene once more and just touch her in this very critical moment, Lord. We know, dear God, that you made her and you've ordained her time appointed upon this earth. And, Lord, Satan will come against any one of us and just try to rob us of the blessing of assembling with your people, Lord, and enjoying the benefits of hearing the word of the Lord. And I know, Lord, I know her heart today, and I know she would desire to be with us, Lord, even if it was online. I know that her heart would be with us tonight. And so I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bind up her wounds, Lord, that you would dissolve that clot in her heart, and that, Lord, you would just give her the peace that passes understanding. And I pray, Lord, you'd give her a complete recovery. That's our prayer. Lord, may she overcome this, and Lord, may she stand on her feet again. We commit her to you, Lord, and pray that your grace would be extended to her. We know, Lord, that you taught us to ask big, because, Lord, nothing too big that we could ask is too great for you. And so we ask big today, Lord. We serve a God who answers in a big way. And, Lord, we commit Sister Carol to you. Pray that you would guide the hands as you have already. Guide the hands of the doctors and nurses, Lord. And Sister April, giving them wisdom and, Lord, just the expertise that they need, Lord, to make the right decisions. We just pray for your supernatural intervention on her behalf. Lord, we think of Sister Amber and we think of just so many others, Lord. And, Father, for those that are here today reaching out to you, may your presence be real to them. In Jesus Christ's lovely name we pray. And all the bride of Christ said, Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to take your Bible and, and look at a passage of Scripture just so that uh, we, we don't have to stand again, if you don't mind. Thank you, musicians. We sure appreciate your contribution this morning. And uh, we are excited to be doing a baptism today uh, with uh, Emmanuel, and uh, that's exciting for us, and we just trust that the Lord will bless him and any one of you that might feel in your heart to do that today. There's certainly enough water for more. We're going to Isaiah chapter 61. We'd like to read a little passage there this morning, very familiar to us. This is when Jesus took the scroll in the temple in Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's where he stopped. He handed the scroll back to the, to the rabbi again. 
That pertained to his first coming. This pertains to his second. And the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities and the desolation of many generations. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. September 23rd is Sister Cindy Walter's birthday. She is in Florida still, and uh, we certainly appreciate Sister Cindy. Wish her all the very best this morning. I know she's listening, and uh, we appreciate Sister Cindy's care for uh, the Sister Carol and uh, for others as well, and uh, may the Lord bless her on her birthday. September 24th is the McGarry's uh, anniversary. And uh, I mentioned in the email last night, if you didn't read it, that Elliot uh, had committed his heart to the Lord and was going to be baptized, I think, today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're excited for that. Uh, Also, as well, Gabriel uh, Walters, her birthday is on the 24th, September 25th. Ethan Pritchard's birthday, right? God bless you, Ethan. Appreciate you very much. And Rebecca Irish's birthday as well. Rebecca, God bless you. And uh, may the Lord bless her. September 26th is the Irish's anniversary. How many years? 22 years. God bless you both. We appreciate the Irish, Irishes and the Irish family. May the Lord bless them. And September 26th is also Sister Sue Shepherd's birthday, and we wish her all the best as well. And uh, May the Lord bless all of you. Good to have all of you visitors here today and uh, each one of you, the uh, friends and visitors and the many who are online who are listening. And may the Lord bless you and Paschal. God bless the Paschals. Good to have them here today. And uh, the Banfields as well from Florida. God bless you. Enjoyed the song. Uh, Enjoyed all the specials today. They're very good. Good to have uh, Brother Peter and his family down there. Good to have them back as well. And... uh, May the Lord bless you and all those folks who are over in the fellowship hall. And uh, may the Lord bless them. This is the church age book cover. Uh, Brother Anwar has been working all through the time of the, uh, the lockdown and the virus uh, in New York with his people in Pakistan. And they've been, uh, they had the translation done years and years and years ago. Pakistani translations were never very high quality until Brother Anwar came into the message. And then everything changed after that. So they went back and redid the entire church age book. They started from page one from scratch and started, uh, started it again. So we've been supporting him in doing that all through the, the virus time because he was pretty much locked down. Uh, in New York, and they have just completed it. Last night, late last night, he sent me the contents of the book, and uh, this is the front cover, and he went ahead and, do, you know, did the cover as uh, according to our specs, and this is all in reverse because that's the way they do it, and they read from the back to the front like Jewish people, and 
uh, it's uh, a very unusual language. You can kind of see a little bit of it on the top here. And uh, so we're very excited now, and that, uh, that should go to uh, the printers this week. And uh, then we'll be able to have that for those saints over there. And let me tell you, they're, uh, they're pretty excited, and they're pretty much looking forward to, to getting the, uh, the books over there. That's for sure. So may the Lord richly bless you this morning. We want to uh, just take a little bit of uh, time this morning. And I, I want to just mention one more prayer request here before we go forward. And that is that uh, Brother Jonathan Mayle, uh, is who has been with us and very much become part of our family here, uh, the male family, and uh, they are up for placement now for after the residency and uh, going to be placed somewhere. So he has applied for placement, as is the protocol with medical doctors. We went through this with Sister April. And so uh, we just, we just want to say among ourselves here that we're praying that they get placed in only one place. And that is this place. But we do want to have God's will for their lives, obviously. But uh, we're praying a little, a little slanted, a little biased, if that's all right. But if you don't mind remembering that need in prayer, that would be great. All right. <clears throat> I want to start you off with a little uh, thought here this morning. And I'm just going to really trust that the Lord will, uh, will uh, just take a hold of my thoughts and then take a hold of your thoughts as well. And uh, speak what he's laid upon my heart. And I just, as I uh, began to deal with this thought and just allowed it to grow uh, like a seed, then it just multiplied into things that were much bigger than what I think we'll cover on this Sunday morning here. But in 1956, Brother Branham makes this reference to rebuilding. And we want to, uh, we want to take the, the, the theme from the scripture we read in Isaiah chapter 61 about how that uh, God promised in the second coming of the Lord. And this is what that scripture pertains to, as we've identified and identified many times. That there were things that were pertaining to the first coming, and then there were things that pertained to the second coming. And in the second coming, he says right at the very beginning that the Lord is going to, to turn things from, uh, from ashes to beauty. He's going to take something good out of the ruin of things and create something, uh, something beautiful, something that is pleasing to him. And, and that's the, that the, it's an interesting thing that, that he didn't say it in the first coming application because that's when he began to build the church. But he reserves it for the second coming statement and says that he's going to bring beauty from ashes. Now remember, in order to have ashes, you have to have the destruction of something. Ash is not a natural substance. It is one that is formed from either the decompensation or the destruction or breakdown of something else. So you have to have something that, it, that existed and is destroyed or broken down in some way, and then you have ashes. He's saying, and only God could do this, we can turn something into ashes, right? But only God can take ashes... And bring something beautiful out of it. Only God can do that. So this is the work of the Lord. This is the building of God. Now, in 1956, Brother Branham says, Now, after the antediluvian destruction, the world was wiped off. And God started from the chaos of that time and began to rebuild again. 
God doesn't seem to wait for beautiful times or peaceful times. He takes seemingly the worst of times and begins to build from that. In Genesis chapter 1, we know that the earth was without form and void. And it was then that God began to form, right? And he made the Garden of Eden and he made the earth and the stars and everything that existed in our world. So it seems like God will not back off from times of chaos and breakdown and destruction and and decay. God doesn't back away from that. Rather, he looks at that as an opportunity to rebuild. Now, I'd like to say this to you today. Our world is filled with bad news. We're surrounded by bad news. As a matter of fact, there's so much bad news, if you're not careful, you can let it get to you. There's enough bad news out there. And the future of our news cycle is also not very positive, right? Because they're saying, well, you know, this is our prediction for the fall, and this is our prediction for the year, and don't expect this to happen, and so forth. And there's all kinds of things that are out there that, uh, if you let it get to you, would be depressing. I'm looking at this a little bit differently based on uh, this, just the way that God's been dealing with me. And I hope that I'll instill a little bit of this in you. That, hey, when it comes to times of destruction, decay, ruin, and burning, and everything else, you watch what God does with that mess and bring something beautiful out of it. I mean, after all, in the worst of times, isn't God taking the capstone people out of this earth? God is preparing a bride in this earth, right? Out of the ruin of things, God's able to bring beautiful things. Now, as I've said, and you know this, that we as a people, we're preoccupied with leaving. That's our whole focus. That's our whole emphasis in terms of teaching and things. We're, we're preoccupied with getting out of here. And the getting out of here uh, is a little more appealing every day that we travel on. I'm not waiting around. Hey, if God wants to shut it down before the election, that's fine for me. God wants to shut it down before, uh, you know, we reopen our fellowship hall. That's fine with me. I'd rather, you know, uh, enjoy that fellowship hall over there. Uh, if God wants to shut it down any time now, I'm, I'm ready. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm good to go. I know some of you single people, uh, some of you older single people, you're thinking, ah, just maybe a little longer, Brother Barry. Well, uh, let me tell you, uh, no. I will say that uh, in, our, in our thinking, we are drawn, in, as, as the people of God, we are drawn to things that are peaceable, things that are pure, things that are true. We're drawn to the right interpretation of things. Isn't that right? I'm not interested in people who have theories about things anymore. I'm interested in things that are true. I'm interested, to prof- I'm interested in prophecy being fulfilled. I'm interested in, in the black and white of Scripture. I'm interested in things that are, as Paul talked about, things that are uh, peaceful, things that are predictable, things that are solid. I'm interested in things that are solid. There is no such thing as a fake Bible. Like there is fake news. There's no such thing as a fake Bible. Can somebody say amen? I believe that the Bible is, has nothing fake in it at all. I believe it's all true. And I, I, love, I love to read it. I love to expound on it. I love to teach out of it. I, I love to use it as a basis for all of my thinking and all my actions and all my decisions that I know that you do too. And in it, it talks about the end time. And in it, it talks about a people who are getting ready to leave. And in it, it talks about where we're going. And in it, it talks about what the destiny is of the people of God. And I'm very interested in that. I'm preoccupied with that. And I know that you are too. And who knew, who knew that in the last of these times we would be living in such extraordinary times uh, that uh, so many things would be happening, probably not as we expected. 
There's a lot of things that are going on that are really not as we expected. And then, you know, you look, I mean, just crank the clock back one week and look at how different our world is in our time. We have viruses, we have fires, we have, uh, you know, different things that are happening in the world, you know, related to the economy and so forth. But now all of a sudden we have a Supreme Court uh, justice who passed away. And we, uh, we all as a nation, we mourn the loss of any one of our uh, leaders in such a high position, such an important position. And then, of course, the transition that takes place in replacing her is a big thing. I go out for people who suffer with pancreatic cancer because that's how my mother left this earth. And so uh, for Justice Ginsburg and, and uh, you know, the suffering that she went through and uh, as a human being, we may not agree altogether on all of our polit- political views, but uh, I just, my heart goes out to somebody who suffers in that way and in her family who's left behind. <clears throat> we also realize that in this last week, uh, we witnessed, uh, I think, which is nothing short of an historic event, which is the peace accord that was signed between uh, the Americans, Israel, uh, the nation of Bahrain, and then uh, United Arab Emirates. And I, I think that was a very significant thing. And I think it's also, and I want you to keep this in context here as we look at this this morning. Just for, and Can I have a few minutes just to talk about it? Some of you asked me some questions about it, and I, uh, the more I began to study and, and began to think about this, this is more than just something I wanted to just drop in and say, pay attention to it. And we, 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 we have witnessed the, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of a, an interesting thing that has come out of the ashes of the last 2,000 years of, uh, of Israel's history, the last 1,900 years where Israel was scattered and not even considered a nation except in the eyes of God. And now they are back in their land, and now there are people who actually want to make peace treaties with them and to be able to have cooperation in terms of tourism and investment and to be able to have some strategic alliances with people uh, in that part of the world. And it's just really a fascinating thing. And what I think also is fascinating is that back in 2002, there was an Arab uh, accord that was made. And it was made in the city of uh, Beirut, uh, where they had a convention there. And the chairman of that convention of 22 Arab nations was the king of Saudi Arabia, King Abdullah. And the king, if some of you will remember, some of you old folks will remember, when he made that, uh, established that meeting there, he said, we want to come together and we want to talk about, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the issue of the Palestinians and Palestinian statehood. And the future of the Palestinian people, four and a half million people who live within the borders of Israel. Now, the reason I'm saying this, and the reason I'm going to dwell on this just for a few moments this morning, is twofold. Number one, because it's interesting to see what God rebuilds in a time when everything is falling apart. Right? Beauty from ashes. And then the second thing is that whatever happens in the nation of Israel and around the nation of Israel ought to get our attention. Is this all right? Because that's a time clock for us. And so this is, a, this is rather an important uh, development that's taken place. When King Abdullah chaired that meeting in Beirut in 2002, he made one predicate in terms of future negotiations with Israel. He made one condition. And that condition was the future resolution of the nation, nationhood of the people of Palestine. Palestine meaning the Palestinian people who live on the, on the West Bank, the western side of Israel between Jerusalem and uh, the Mediterranean Sea. With those people now, we, uh, we know they live in Gaza and in that area right there, and uh, they have for a long time, they wanted to have their own state and their own government. As a matter of fact, if they had a state within the state of Israel and all the Arabs joined them in the land of Israel, the Jews would be outnumbered. 
They would actually be outnumbered in the nation of Israel. And so Israel, having acquired her land back again, is not, biblically, I believe, going to give away any of that land back into the hands of Arabs again. Not going to happen. Now, it's interesting that when you look at the history of all of this, in Genesis chapter 16, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto her, Hagar, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. They will grow innumerably in the earth. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Now, this is not extraordinary up to this point. What is extraordinary is the character of this child she's going to have. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So he's going to live in the presence of all his brethren, those that are related to him, but he is not going to be cooperative with any of them. He's not going to cooperate. He's going to be a wild man, and his hand will be against every man. And so that's the plight of uh, Ishmael and his descendants, that they would be uh, a people who would not be cooperative or they would not be working together with the people uh, who are considered to be those in that same region or that same area. Now, uh, back in 1979 and also back in 1993, there were two agreements that were made or treaties that were made. The first was made with Egypt and the second one was made with Jordan because they were landlocked neighbors of Israel. And they made agreements back then because they were at war. They were considered at war with Israel. And so they, they, uh, they, they made uh, peace treaties with Israel back there, and they were the first nation, Arab nations, that stood out and made that uh, covenant with Israel not to be at war with them, which was an important development for Israel. And then, of course, Jimmy Carter got uh, Begin and, and Assad together, and uh, they, uh, you know, they had the uh, Camp David Accord and so forth, so there was another small step there uh, towards freedom in the region. And now all of a sudden we see that there's a development here where nations are actually, uh, they're, they're, they're wanting to have, number one, uh, the financial investment hand-in-hand hand with Israel because Israel is considered a pretty wealthy nation. Number two, they want, to have, they want to have a share in Israel's technological capability. I've mentioned this to you before. It's one of the things that the Chinese really want to have is a stake or they want to have uh, the benefits of Israel's technical knowledge. They can take uh, weapons that we make here in the United States and they can convert them into super weapons and they can add a factor to them that make them more dangerous and more lethal uh, in the field of war. And so that's a big, big deal to, to other nations. And then, then uh, thirdly, uh, the, these nations that want now to deal with Israel um, are interested in breaking down some of the older traditions uh, that exist there. The conference in Beirut that I mentioned that King Abdullah had chaired made the condition that the only way we can have peace with Israel is if Israel and uh, the Palestinians work out their differences there and we have peace in the land of Israel. The Bible just said they wouldn't, right? Because he'd be a wild man. Ishmael would be a wild man. The Palestinians are descendants of Ishmael. And they would be a wild man, so they would not work with anybody. So what our current government did was to go outside of the land of Israel and make peace or make covenants with, with nations around Israel instead of with the Palestinians themselves. So this is significant because it represents a departure from that condition that King Abdullah made in, Saudi Arabia, in Beirut from Saudi Arabia in, in 2002. 
So now the Israelis are making agreements, and out of the 22 Arab nations who are considered the Gulf states, uh, now Israel is actually shaking hands with some of those uh, nations that are there. They're not uh, bosom buddies by any stretch. However, uh, let me say this. Two weeks ago, who knew that El Al, the Israeli airline, would be able to fly through Saudi Arabian airspace to fly to UAE? I mean, that's an unprecedented thing because Saudi Arabia never had any feeling or any empathy at all towards uh, Israel in, in whatever way. If you go back now to the New York Times today or you go back to some of the other major papers today, they had a picture of King Abdullah, who is the current king of, of uh, Saudi Arabia, and the crown prince, his son. And there is a transition that's going on in that nation, which is a very, very strategic uh, transition that's going on. And the son is pro-making a deal with Israel. The king is still against it. And so they have this struggle that's going on within the kingdom there. And yet, uh, even though you'll hear some blustering that's going on in the news, let me tell you something. For the first time in history, El Al flew through Air, uh, Saudi Arabian airspace to get to the UAE this week. That is an extraordinary thing. That's a sign that things are changing in the Middle East. That's a sign that, uh, you know, there's a, a higher level of cooperation that's going on uh, in that part of the world. And so, therefore, uh, you say, well, Brother Barry, why is this so? Well, number, number one, as I mentioned, economies need each other in this age of uh, multilateral corp- corporation, cooperation. They need to be able to work together. They need to be able to sustain themselves. Number two, there is a true... Uh, lessening of dependence on oil. And so the United Arab Emirates, for one, is a nation that has moved out of that box that says we only get our wealth from uh, drilling oil. Their oil reserves are lower than most other Arab states. And so, therefore, they have gone into other things uh, that have uh, attempted to develop their economy, like health care and education and so forth. So they've, they're, they're building their nation to be something other than just a gas pump. At this point, Saudi Arabia is basically a gas pump. It's a very, very big gas pump, and it feeds a lot of the uh, nations of the world with their gas and oil. Uh, however, Saudi has also recognized that with the world's, uh, you know, distaste for fossil fuels, and also because oil won't last forever, we also are divesting. They're taking their, uh, their funds and they're beginning to develop other areas of their economy, so their economy is changing. That's quite different than what King Abdullah believes, and so his son is coming in now to make changes. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Saudi Arabia. What's the point? The point is is that all those nations that I've mentioned so far all have a common enemy, and the common enemy is Iran. And Iran is a different religion, of uh, a different brand uh, of the Muslim faith than what Saudi Arabia is and Bahrain and UAE and so forth and Jordan and Egypt. Uh, It's a different brand, a more radical Shiite brand. You hear that in the news very often. And as a result of that, if they could, if they could, they would destroy Israel in a heartbeat. What's really interesting for you to watch is that, number one, the, Saudi, sorry, the Iranians are, are, the more uh, people side with Israel, the more Iran is going to be isolated. And an isolated person then has to reach out for allies like Russia and other people 
who have capabilities that they used to have from their neighbors around them. Well, if all their neighbors leave them and now they start to look like in the future what Israel used to look like since 1948, a nation all by itself, it's going to reach out to other allies. And the way that Israel reached out to America, um, Iran looks to Russia and China to help it in its struggle in the Middle East. So Iran becomes more isolated all the time. And then, secondly, uh, what you're looking at, I, I think, is interesting, is that uh, in this upcoming election, and I'm not, I'm not uh, in any way promoting uh, either political party. I think I made that clear on, on Wednesday night, even though what I said did come true, and that is everybody doesn't agree with me saying things like that about uh, elections and politics, and I'm not in any way engaging in any kind of political rhetoric. That's not my desire, not my intent. But I will just say this, that some people were very, very thankful that I gave that quote where Brother Bram said he voted for Mr. Nixon. Either way, because we were talking about defaults, and default is, is that that's one of the great Satans of our time, is that somebody talks about either Christmas or voting or something like that, and, and it's the default. In the same way that the people who came to Job, remember what they said to him? What was the default when they came to talk to Job? It must be sin in your life. That's the default, right? When tragedy strikes a family, we think automatically, oh, huh, must be some secret sin in their life. I'm just saying. All right. <clears throat> the interesting thing about this upcoming election is that there's one party who believes that if they are elected, they're going to right away go back and reinstitute the Iran nuclear deal. The Iran nuclear deal will make Iran a more dangerous neighbor in a dangerous neighborhood. That's one of the things that's on the docket for them. And so I will guarantee you that even though, even though you may not think it's significant, and even though we may think, well, uh, that's not something that we need to worry about, I will tell you something that this election is going to make a big difference in our world. The third thing I want to say is that one of the things that sweetens the deal or put, puts icing on the cake of any kind of treaty uh, in, this, in this context, okay, making uh, deals today with Israel today based on our, our, our government and, and their dealings and involvement in it, one of the things that constitutes icing on the cake is what's called an F-35. And an F-35 is an advanced fighter plane that will do lots and lots of damage long before it's detected in our, in, our, in our airspaces. And so, therefore, when these nations make these deals with Israel, part of the package includes the sale of F-35s, even though Israel does not agree. Because if things turn, and I'm here to tell you this morning, they will. Because the Bible says that all nations, all nations will come against Jerusalem one day, Right? They will be using the very F-35s that sweeten the deal to have them at peace with Israel today. And so you're looking at, uh, this is pure politics. This is pure, uh, the stuff that gets the wheels greased and gets things done. Let me tell you, even though, uh, you know, people may look at this as some sort of a great, uh, great thing, and in a sense peace is, all, is, is generally uh, a, a great thing in the earth, uh, there are consequences for the choices that are being made today. And so all of this, to me, is something that get, get, certainly gets my attention. I would say this, that uh, in, in our time as well, uh, the, uh, the weakening of the 
Arab Union or the, the, the Gulf states uh, bundling that we have, those 22 nations that are there and the other nations that are involved, and then throw in the influence of Russia and throw in the influence of China and then throw in the future prospects of what happens in Saudi Arabia. Let me tell you, even though you may not think it, what happens in Saudi Arabia does make a difference because they control such a very important vital energy source in our world and they control an awful lot of money in our world. There are consequences for all of these things having an effect on our world. All I'm saying to you today about this is that <clears throat> there, are, there are exciting things that are happening in the Middle East, even if, uh, you know, the media portrays it a certain way. And it's very interesting. I have, my, uh, ha- I have an article here. I didn't get time to print it out, but I have my trusty uh, pad here, which has the article on it. But I won't take time to read the, uh, ex- the excerpts from it, except to say this, that even, even the media, even the media that is clearly against our current sitting president had to admit this is a pretty good thing. They had to admit that this is a pretty significant and a pretty good thing. Now, prophetically, we look at it and we stand back and we say, all right, you know, there are things that, uh, you know, we don't always, uh, we don't always piece together uh, in terms of what God is actually doing in making an alliances and so forth and peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh. We know this for sure, that eventually all nations will stand against Israel. We know that's for sure. And we also know, too, that the, the disagreements in the Middle East are not over oil, and they're not over money, and they're not over technology. They're over religion. These are religious pressures. These are religious wars. These are spiritual uh, warfares, if you like, or battles that, that rage in that part of the world. Always have, all the time since Ishmael uh, stood on the face of the earth. He would agree with no man. And so, therefore, what happens in Israel, what happens around Israel, what happens among the Israelis is an important thing for us because it is, to me, a step closer to the fulfillment of things that that were prophesied about the time that we're living in. And so it's an interesting thing. We're at a point where we're going to see a transition very soon in in the nation of Israel in terms of leadership. And it's an interesting thing how that, uh, you know, after all of these years of Israel not even being a nation and not even being in their homeland and not having any power or authority or respect at all, they were scattered in the world, spoke a different language, and now all of a sudden here they are back. And God's able to breathe on the ashes of that land of Palestine and bring a nation so strong and powerful that it becomes the center of activity in our world. It's an amazing thing how God can bring that from nothing and bring it into something that's absolutely beautiful in these eyes. Israel back again. Nations of the world standing at her door wanting to have peace and wanting to make agreements with it there. Hey, it, 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 to me, it, it's, a, it's a significant time to keep your eye on what's happening over there because there will be other nations that will follow suit and there will be other nations that will uh, trail along behind the UAE and Bahrain. God can take nothing and he can build something great from it. God can do that as a nation For us, God can do that as a people, and God can do that certainly as an individual for every one of us. And so those are things to watch, certainly, uh, in the the time that we're living in. Now, let me just, let me just, uh, I I want to, I'm at a point where I'm just going to have to introduce this thought to you, and then we're going to have to to move on. When it comes to, when it comes to God rebuilding, when it comes to God making something beautiful out of something destroyed, then he needs to have, first of all, as I said, he needs to have a calamity. He needs to have something that's absolutely not able to help itself. 
in order to build something good out of it. And even in, in terms of how we as men, how we think, and women and so forth, you know, uh, individuals in the earth. Brother Bram said it's in a man, he said, to look out at a vacant lot and see what he can build upon that and how he can change it, change the environment. He said that's what he put in Adam many, many years ago in the Garden of Eden. And he would speak to a tree and it would move from one place to another. And he could so renovate and, and, and change his environment that he lives in. And we still do that today. We still go into areas where, uh, you know, there's nothing and they're able to build something out of it, build communities out of it and build, uh, you know, little settlements and suburbs and everything else built out of it. It's just, it's just amazing. I was in, up near Washington yesterday and we were just driving through the countryside and, you know, trees and just nothing there but, uh, country roads. And all of a sudden you come upon a community and, you know, you just, it's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. God put that in a man to change these environment. But man does not always need just a vacant lot in order to change the environment. Very often, very often, things are built out of calamity. They're built out of problems. That's why even when God looked at you, he didn't back away and say, Ah, it's too much of a mess. Too much of a... Too much of a scramble. Too much there. No, he could take somebody like Emmanuel and say, I'll take him in his youth. I'll take him. He doesn't have any really refined skills. Sorry. Right? Doesn't, I mean, I haven't got a lot lot to work with here, but I'll take him anyway. And I told Emmanuel last night on the phone, I said, God will take whatever you give him. Whatever you give him, God will work with that. God will take your heart. God will take your wallet. God will take your hands. God will take your hair. Oh, sorry. God will take whatever you give him, and he'll work with that. And he'll develop something great that he can look at and say, that's good. And at the end of the road, he can say, enter into the joys of the Lord, thou good and faithful servant. Let me tell you something. For God to say that is not because what we've accomplished in life. It's what he's built in us. How many can say amen? If any of us make it through the door and hear those illustrious words, it'll not be because, uh, you know, of, of things we've accomplished in life. It'll be because, Lord, it was your working in my life. It was your spirit in my life. It was your correction in my life. It was your uh, adoptive process in my life that made me grow up from ashes into something that you could be proud of on the earth and take me into glory forever. Isn't that true? It won't be our, it won't be our, to our credit. It won't be to our, our honor. It'll be because of what He's done in our life. But let me give you a natural example, and I won't dwell on this. I mean, there's lots of it. Uh, I was reading a, a very fascinating article recently, uh, which was about how that, uh, some of the things that we have today that we enjoy, you may not have even thought about it, uh, very much, but they came because other cities and other places went, uh, into, um, we're almost in a, in a place of ruin. And, uh, you know, people came along and thought about it and said, well, how can we fix the problem and make, make the place we live a better place? And you can turn something that is really destroyed or really, really in a terrible state and bring something beautiful out of it. And that's what God does. And as Brother Branham said in that opening quote there, he said that's what God loves to do. He loves to rebuild. Another place, Brother Branham said, only God can really rebuild. Only God can take a life and rebuild it. I'm reminded back in, um, back in 18, 1823, there was a great fire in New York. 
And the fire took place in, in the month of January. And New York back then, a lot of the structures that were built back then were all made of wood. And when the fire got started, uh, it was, uh, the temperature that day happened to be, and for that season, the temperature had averaged about 17 below zero. And so the rivers and the, the sources of water, uh, a lot of those uh, uh, resources that the city had were all frozen solid. And so when this fire got started and took off, uh, it was 1835, sorry, and when the fire took off, it, it uh, you know, they, they practically had to stand there with no water running at all and watch the city burn. And they said, they said that you could look from a hundred miles off and see the flames in the sky. And the firemen had nothing to fight the fires with and everything being made of wood. It was just going up like a tinderbox. One third of New York apparently was destroyed in that fire. And as a result of that, the mayor, out of desperation, he said, take all the dynamite you can. And he said, go in the path of that fire and plant dynamite in the buildings there ahead of the fire and blow those buildings and those homes up. Just blow them to smithereens. And when they did, they deprived the fire of its fuel. And eventually it went out. That's the only way it went out. As a result of that, they sat down on the scrap heap of what New York was back in 1835, and they scratched their head, got their engineers together, some of their best minds, because engineers tend to have the best minds, and they got them together, and they looked at the debris that was that portion of New York, and they said, well, how can we fix this? And one of the things that they did, they went 42 miles north, and they built themselves an underground lake, 400 acres in the earth. And it was a project that became known as the Croton Aqueduct, And they built this great underground lake of water that was there, put it deep into the earth and filled it with fresh water. And they had it fed from springs that were there. And as a result of that, even today, that water still flows into the city of New York after being built in 18, after 1835. And they said because now the water had come down, they were not dependent on the weather for the river. They were not dependent on other natural factors. They had made this, this very workable system that was underneath the city. They said within five years when people visited New York and they wanted to see the evidence of the great, of the great fire. It was big news back then in the same way that fires would be out in California today. And I'll tell you what, I just hope that California doesn't burn down because I have very, very few things on my bucket list. But one of them is to go and see the great uh, redwood trees out there in California. I'd love to see them. Brother Branham stood out there one time uh, with brothers and he was standing by the base of those redwood trees. And uh, he said, uh, you know, they were the, the, uh, the National Parks guy was explaining to Brother Branham and those uh, brethren who were there about the redwood. And Brother Bram said, my, there's so many roots above the ground. And the ranger told him, he said, these roots don't really go very deep. He said, they run along the surface and they really don't dig very deep at all. And Brother Bram said, well, how do they stand being so tall and so big in the winds and storms that come off the Pacific Ocean? How do they stand? And the ranger said, they take their roots and they interlock together. And they wind together on the ground. And you can't tell which root belongs to which tree because they're so gnarled together and so intertwined among one another. And Brother Branham looked at the park ranger and he said, that's exactly right. He said, that's the way believers are. He says, we are able to wind our roots together. And he said, in that strength we stand. He said, that's how believers stand together. He said, we don't make deep roots in this earth. He said, but we lock together arm in arm. And he said, and that's where our strength should come from. 
I thought that was interesting. Anyway, I'd like to be able to go to California and to be able to see that. Five years after the fires in, in New York, by 1940, people went there, and uh, they were looking for evidence of the fire. They said, we want to, you know, like back then, they said, we want to take our phones and take, you know, pictures of the fire uh, back uh, and, and tell our families all about it. And there was no evidence. They couldn't bring him anywhere because there was such a cleanup that came. As a result of that as well, the mayor said, hey, all of our phone wires or all of our, you know, everything that was above the ground, they said, we want to take all of that and we want to put it underground. We want to begin to put structure underground. So as a result of the, of the devastation that took place there, uh, there, was, there was something that was much stronger. And when they built the buildings again, they began, they began to build them out of steel and build them out of brick and build them so that another fire couldn't occur. That's an example of how uh, we as mankind, we can take, uh, you know, something that is destroyed, something that is uh, reduced to ashes, and build something better out of it, better and stronger than what it was before. Now, what's your point? Brother Branham said, and then Jesus came 1957. I'm just going to be very brief here now. We'll pick it up a little bit more later on. Now, a doctor, he said, can move an obstruction. He can set a bone or pull a tooth, just take out a tumor. He said, but that doesn't heal. Merely just moves the obstruction. God does the healing. Healing is creation. And it's to create and to rebuild. That's what God does. To create and to rebuild. And no medicine can rebuild your body Only God alone can rebuild. That's right. God is the one who heals. How many agree with that? He's the one who can rebuild. He's the one who can build again. Now, in the message of grace, 1961, watch what Brother Branham says. He said, the scripture says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone and also the headstone. And if we will think for a few minutes that the seven church age messenger was to restore the faith of the children back to the fathers. In other words... Rebuild a church again under the power of the Spirit. Do you realize, saints of God, that you are that building this morning? You are the one that God had his eye on when he sent this message and messenger into the last day, where God inaugurated something in the, in the early part of our, uh, you know, Gentile dispensation, and God put a church in there, put the nucleus or the seeds of a church there, and it began. And then, of course, went into the ground, and the dark ages and so forth, and all the other troubles that the church had. But in this last day, here comes that church and that denominational spirit chasing it all the way, all the way, right to 1963. How many understand what I'm saying? That denominational spirit chased that church all the way down to 1963. And then God, in his sovereign wisdom and understanding, had a messenger that came on the scene and opened up the Word of God, opened up the book of Revelation, and that new, that church restored, came into view again. And God had in mind that church that he, that he knew before the foundation of the world. Not that the people under Luther or Wesley were not part of the bride. They certainly were, and they certainly are. And we'll meet them over on the other side. Because they lived and believed and understood what God taught them in their, from their messengers in their hour. They got the light they needed to get in that day in order to get to the next step. Isn't that right? 
But in the last day, God unveils that bride and he, he says, this is what I've been built. This is what I'm able to take out of the ashes of the history of the Gentiles who believed in the Trinity and believed in all kinds of different ideas. And now God comes along and restores the word of God. He just raises up a prophet and restores the word of God. And there's a bride that runs to that and never goes back to that denominational, never opens their mind or heart or doors to a denominational spirit again, but runs to that restored word. And that word begins to create and mold and bring out of the ashes of history a bride church that God says, she's so beautiful, I'm going to take her off the face of the earth without even dying. His job... His job, this last messenger, was to restore. His job was to rebuild the church again under the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by organization, not by denomination, but by the Holy Spirit. God will bring forth that church, that church. You are that church I'm talking about today. Listen, this quote is not for some distant group somewhere. This is not for the people in Jeffersonville. This is you he's talking about. You are the ones that God wanted to build. out of the ashes of your own past life, out of the ashes of your own religious experience, and out of the ashes of the systems that we all came out of, God says, watch how beautiful a thing I can make. And have her stand upon the earth and walk with the living God in a communion like no other Gentile people have had. To be able to say that we are in an invisible union with Christ, to be able to say that we have, uh, you know, been justified as though we never sinned in the first place. And to be able to stand there. And to be able to have growing within us, if you believe it or not, the growing within us the power to have our bodies change without having to go through a funeral home in order to get over on the other side. Glory to God. I'm glad for that, saints of God. One day, I believe I'm preaching to the people, and I believe my primary responsibility is to minister faith and truth to the people that I'm speaking to today, to be able to get you to the place where you can believe that what this is absolutely true. That what this says is stronger than how you feel. Because a lot of times we're defeated by our own thinking and our own uh, grayness and our own, uh, you know, response to the circumstances around us. And hey, don't feel bad. Everybody in the world feels the weight of the moment. We feel the fog of the moment. We feel the pressures of the moment. How many, how many would agree? We all feel that, that, that way. You know, you're wondering about, uh, you know, the future after the election. We're wondering about the future of the economy. We're wondering about all kinds of things, naturally speaking. It's a very, very natural way to respond. But let me tell you something. To me, what God is simply trying to do is to rally this bride to the place where she will believe despite what she feels and despite what she sees and despite what she hears in the world. I believe beyond our senses, God wants us to look with the eyes of faith into the Word of God and the promises that are made about our time and not be intimidated by the world around us and believe that that is spoken about us and one day we shall leave here in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody say, man, I think that's a, that's a really wonderful statement. Now, uh, again, just let me leave you with one other one. Brother Bram said he's making a bride, chopping off the world. Church joining, denominations, dogmas, all of that has to be cut away from the church. Formal ideas, indifference, and their doctrines. I will tell you something. It's one thing. It's one thing for us to say, oh, you know, we just need to believe what the prophet says. But you know, there are people who have had the word of God interpreted to them. They've had the message interpreted to them. And whether they realize it or not, they believe what that interpretation is even more than what the words say themselves. 
And it takes, to me, it takes a spiritual person to look at that and say, I need to lay it all down and pick up only the things that are truly true. You don't need, listen, you don't need my interpretation. You don't need my dogma. You don't need my convincing about things. If the word is true, it's true. Whether I'm here or not. If the message is of God, it's of God. And God will vindicate it. God will prove that it's real. God will prove that it's true. And let me tell you, uh, we, we don't need somebody to come along and, and tell us, okay, now this is, you know, this is what Brother Branham meant by explaining the Scripture. So we don't need that. I will tell you something. We, we, have, we have what we have need of in place already for us to know and to understand and to have grow within us what we need to have our body change. Do you believe that? It's not found under a certain ministry today in a church, or uh, it's not found in a certain uh, website or some, some resource there. Let me tell you, God gave the fivefold ministry for the edification of the bride, right? God gave the ministry around the world. And you'll find people in every church, even though you may go and think, wow, they sing different songs and have different fabric on the pews. You may think, wow, this is really the millennium again. You'll find that some of those people out there in those churches that you consider to be perfect, you'll find that they will all have their differences eventually. And, and they'll have somebody, they come to church on Sunday morning and somebody's sitting in their pew. And, <laughs> and I don't like when that person sings. And I don't like, you know what, our song leader sung that song for the last three, three service, song services. And, you know, I wish you'd sing a different song. I wish you'd sing like Hickory Bible Tabernacle over there. It's not in a physical location, folks. Hear me. It's not in a physical location. It's not in, uh, you know, the Mormon tabernacle. It, it's, it's not in that. It, it, it's in Christ. It's in Christ alone, right? It's in Christ alone. And this message has pointed us back to that. This message has brought us back to that. And this message allows us to be able to see that and to understand that. Because what God is doing is lifting Christ higher. What he's doing is lifting, lifting himself higher so that all men will come to him. And all these other things that Brother Bram said, denominations, all those other things, they drop off and, and they go their way. And he said, our prayer should be, amen, Lord, mold me and make me, Lord, what I should be. And then I'll be a, there'll be a different thing then. There'll be something different than what there was slopping through the world. He said, then if I be lifted up to the earth, uh, uh, lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. He's cutting, cutting you out now, cutting down his word to his word only cutting all the creeds and dogmas and everything else away from you, trying to get back to a bride for his son. Another masterpiece. Another part of the word. He wants to get that Rebecca on the camel, get her in motion, get her moving towards Isaac. Because when she gets with Isaac, everything will be all right. She gets back to Isaac, everything will be supplied. Do you believe that? On the journey, she's got Eliezer. On the journey, she's got a messenger. She's got uh, somebody who can, uh, you know, supp- supply uh, a description. She can, he can display, uh, display the story. He can he, provide all kinds of things for her. But that's not the same as Isaac. There is one destiny for the bride of Christ, and that is only in the arms of Christ. And to me, what God has done in this last day has taken a church out of the ashes of the denominational system, out of the ashes of the Roman church, out of the ashes of Pentecostalism, out of the ashes of all the independent movements, and, and, and selected a bride, and taken that bride, blown that ashes away, and said only, hey, men can reduce things to ashes, but only God can take the ashes and bring something beautiful out of it. 
Whether you realize it or not, that's exactly what God's doing in our lives. That's exactly what God is shaping in our lives to make us the bride of Christ that we need to be. And I, I'm, I'm just here to tell you today that, uh, you know, I'm just excited for Emmanuel making that step. And I know that God's dealing with hearts. And it isn't hundreds and thousands and thousands like it used to be in other ages. I think it would be great if, if there were. But in reality, God deals with individual hearts and brings those last ones in. And I, I think it's an exciting thing, not only because uh, God's dealing in a heart, but I will tell you that God is moving the pieces around on the chessboard in terms of nations, and peoples and moving everybody around where they need to be in order for this last, the last events to unfold and take place. The thing for us to do is to be ready when God decides to take that Gentile bride and put her away in the palace, like Joseph's wife, right? We can document things that happen in the Middle East. We can see it. We can see this, the timeline of those things that are happening there. But in terms of uh, when, when he will actually take that Gentile bride and put her away, we really don't know. I've said to you before, it's like the young man who came to his Bible teacher, and he says, when would be the best time for me to give my heart to the Lord? And he said, well, the day before you die. When is that? We really don't know. So the best time to do it really would be now. There's no better time for a young man or a young woman to surrender their life to Christ and, and, and to be absolutely sure, to be absolutely positive that where they stand with Christ and to be in union with him is the right thing for me right now, doing the right thing, being in the right place, believing the right things. Let me tell you, you're absolutely correct. That's what your heart's telling you. You're absolutely correct. That's the way it should be in every one of our hearts. It's played out a little bit differently when we're older and we have families or maybe grandchildren or whatever else and, you know, we're on that other side of life. But I will tell you what, the urging of the Holy Spirit is to do this, is to take out of the ashes of our past and the ashes of our systems and the ashes of of this world and to take a bride out of here. And God looks at that bride with great passion and great love and great concern because he wants to take that bride off the face of the earth. That's what's happening. That's what's going on. And it's exciting. And the time clock, the buzzer on the time clock is going off in Israel there and letting us know that there are things happening there and there are players being moved around on the whole thing and, uh, you know, uh, all the other, the negative and the positive and all of these things that are moving around. If we don't understand all the events, just hang on, just watch. Let me tell you, it's, it's, it's going to all come very clear. But at some point, God takes a, God told Joseph, take your Gentile bride. And just put her away in the palace. And then I'll do the last part. We are that Gentile bride that needs to be taken to the palace. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come. Being a people who are preoccupied with leaving, God has to root us out of this world because if not, we would fall as it falls. So he has to disassociate us. He has to disentangle us with this world. And the real hope that the church has is to be taken before that God decides to break it all down and, and uh, renovate it all before the, uh, the, the millennium and the time when the bride will be on the earth. The best example we have is the one of Enoch who just walked with God and, and God took him because he was ready. We have Jaron come on as well. Here he is. And we're going to, let, we're going to worship just a little bit. We're going to invite uh, Brother Emmanuel to come and baptize him in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. And
We just trust that the Lord will bless you and uh, just a minister to each and every one of your hearts. And if you, if you will, I just ask you to continue to remember Sister Carol and uh, just trust that the Lord will undertake for her in a great way. We believe that God is able to do that. I sing praises to you, Lord. Let's sing that this morning here. Let's just worship him together. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh. second coming of Christ in that part of Isaiah, you said, Lord, that you would, you would turn ashes into beauty, Lord. You would turn beautiful things out of destruction, waste, and decay. And Father, we're looking at that happening today, Lord, as members of the bride of Christ. and Looking, Lord, at what you're doing in Israel and how you're, how you're bringing strength out of weakness, Lord. Father God, I, I just pray that when you look at our lives and you look at our assembly and you, you look, Lord, at just individual lives, that you would be able to see the reflection of yourself, Lord, the, the growth in us that reflects you. And Lord, it would be something beautiful to you, something, Lord, that even though we may be dissatisfied with, but Lord, you look at it and you say, that's my making, that's my creation, and that is the thing that I am fashioning in the world. Father, we believe you to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you've always been interested in spiritual growth. You've always been interested, Lord, in gathering your people. You've always been interested, Lord, in healing our bodies. And Lord, today, again, we hold up Sister Carol and just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just lay your hand upon her today, Lord. May your presence be very real near her. And Lord, I pray you would raise her up from that sick bed. Lord, we pray for Sister Amber. We pray for Sister Becky. And our Father, and Lord, we pray for our families and our loved ones that need your touch. Some here, Lord, that are going through difficult times and tests, Lord, in their lives. And I, 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 just, I just commit them to you, Lord, in faith, believing that you care about everything we go through. And Father, even in these frail bodies, Lord, you're still God. You're still a healer. 
We trust you. Have your way among us, Lord, I pray. Grant to us, I pray, the patience that we might see the building that's going on in our own lives. We love you and we praise your wonderful name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sing it again. We sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your Oh, 
uh, deal with his heart. Not only he has been up to this point, but from this point forward, that God would take his life like a handful of clay and begin to move and do great things in his life. To take a pile of ashes, a pile of nothing, and to be able to build something beautiful and great out of it. That's what our prayer is today. Heavenly Father, we stand together, Lord, in faith and believing, Lord, this is exactly what they did in the book of Acts. This is exactly what Peter taught on the day of Pentecost. And this was the formula, and the formula to us is still the same as it's ever been. And so, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit now to come and to fill him, to baptize him afresh. And, Lord, just, I pray, to uh, take his life and everything that he gives to you, Lord, I just pray that you would take it and use it as an instrument and an example of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. That, Lord, you would just stir in his heart. And that, Lord, you would build from a simple foundation. And, Lord, cause him to be a real man of God who's bold in the faith. And, Lord, may you just bless his family, his household, his mom and dad. And, and, and Lord, I just pray that you do a, just a real stirring in their hearts and their lives. Father, we thank you for Emmanuel. We thank you for his desire to walk with you. And now we commit him into your hands as the great baptizer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Take one hand, put it on your nose there. Give me your other one. Switch hands there if you don't mind. Give me this one. All right. Manual, based on your desire to walk in newness of faith and a desire to live for God, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. wonderful to see a young man dedicate his heart back to God. Amen. Sometimes in life, a lot of water goes under the bridge and man, you just just want to make sure that your heart is right with God. Amen. And I admire a man that makes that commitment. Amen. Let's sing the song together. Lord, I lift your name on high. Amen. Lord, I lift your name on high. I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. And I'm so glad you came to save us. Oh, you came to show the way from the earth to the cross. My day. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. And I'm so glad you came to save us. From heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross of my death to pay from the cross to the grave 
as you go now. Think about His love. Oh, think about His goodness. And think about His grace that's brought us through. For as high as the heavens above Think about His grace. 